Hello and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Harris and Brian, each episode will unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. In this episode, we talk about hip-hop. We welcome professor, social worker, and former b-boy, Dr. Raphael Travis, to the pod. Together, we'll share about our connections with hip-hop culture and how those relationships have changed on our journeys to manhood and fatherhood. But before we get into all that, let's check in. Fellas, what's good? Hey, what's What's going on? What's up? What's What's up, up? everybody? What's going on, man? It's warm outside. Yeah, what's that mean? You getting out? I have to. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Stay called COVID. You better not be getting out there like that. Nah, man, we're doing that 75 hard again, so at least one workout has to be outside. Harris just had a full circle moment. As a kid, you had to come inside. Now as a father, you're like, oh, I got to be outside. That's the truth. But with this pollen, though... Mm. Yeah, this pollen is um, on some straight up sniper type stuff because you do not see it. And in 10 seconds, you are having a sneezing fit. My wife last night was like, you need some Claritin. I'm like, yeah, I do. Because I couldn't talk without sneezing. This is real. I hear Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you born and bred in Baltimore and Milwaukee. Now doing battle daily with pollen. We oh, have man. Harris and Brian. Okay. Hey, okay. Listen. I mean, and I'm I mean, from here. <laughs> That's the thing. I came back and it was like. I'm kind of mad you talking and he just dissed you. I mean, can I don't we care. just. Uh, I dissed y'all. Let's be clear. No, you ain't dissed me. You got to be Teflon where I'm from. Brian talking about, I, I keep my flones in my wife's purse, you know, just in case it gets, it gets ugly out here. Hey, it's Gucci. <laughs> Man, listen, it's real in these streets. All I know is it's that this pollen is that loud. Okay, all right. How you know what that well, is? It's it's just very loud. I mean, like my headphones. <laughs> Before we totally uh, go down a rabbit hole of pollen, um, there's an extra voice that you hear on the pod. Um, we are joined today with a special guest, Dr. Raphael Travis. Raph, Sup, welcome gentlemen. to the pod. What's up? Thank What's you, up? Thank you. Much appreciated. Appreciate the Super time. Super excited you're here, man. True, true, true. Yeah, no, Love I'm him. definitely looking forward. And we're going to tell you a little bit more about rap in a, in a minute. Um, let's get this check-in going. B, how's the family? Oh, man, listen, they're doing well. Um, Nas is about to have his birthday in a couple of days. Uh, wow. Baby girl just had her four-month check-in, so she got all of these shots. And, um, you know, she got one uh shot or an injection i don't know what it was um but we were told specifically don't get near her saliva because if you get near the saliva and it hits you you're gonna get bad diarrhea and i was like what don't we got some new medicine like she got dysentery i don't i don't know what listen i i should have went to the pediatrician that day i couldn't have had to work so I have a hazmat suit on around my kid for two more days, but mm-hmm. she's doing great. Uh, and my mom's is Oregon in town. Trail. My mom's is in town. I'm really excited about that. She got in uh, on Wednesday, and it was surreal going to the airport to pick her up. 
Like it was the quickest in and out I had ever seen at an airport. Yeah. Nobody was talking. Everybody was socially distant. It was almost like if you get too close to my bag, I might have to choke. So it's uh, it's surreal having her here. So great having her um, actually see Sadia for the first time and, and hold her and hang out with her. But I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I cannot complain, man. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Harris, nice. Nice. I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 half vaccinated, you know. Um was able to just kind of do my thing, get in there, get out. It, it went quick. Uh CVS has it on lock. You know, I mean, you can't even check in until like 10 minutes before uh it's your um before that's my kids. They they doing their thing. They don't care what I'm doing. I guess um, they have too. <laughs> Uh, 10 minutes before, so there was no crowds. Everybody was just chilling in their car. It was really good. Um, so yeah, half vaccinated, gonna get the rest at the end of the month. Get but ready. um, yeah, I, everyone's saying that second one, you say you're not ready for the second shot. Like, go ahead and just take some days off. It hits, uh, it, it hits, it hits people differently, man. Don't, don't, don't fall into that. His people. So, all I know is I'm alternating arms. That's that's the one thing I am listening to everybody. They say get them in different arms. I but, heard that. Uh, oh, really? You got no. them in the same arm? That's why. That's why your other arm's bigger than the other. Hey man, I'm tough. Like you know, according to you know the pollinator over here, the Don. You know. <laughs> hey, hey man, I'm gonna right, that shot. ain't even what I want to talk about. <laughs> <Look>. <laughs> So before we even get into that, I started writing. I think I mentioned that uh, maybe about six shows ago now. I um, I, I stopped writing, and it's, it's so appropriate for it to be this episode. Um, I don't know. At a certain point, I just kind of lost my voice. Uh, I felt like it just got extremely hard to write. Uh, and I think it was kind of correlated when I really started getting into corporate America and we could talk about all these different identity politics, things of that nature. But I wrote my first article. It was, um, it was a blog for the winters group. It was around, um, diversity, inclusion and equity. And it felt good. It felt like I'm back in the saddle. So I'm just excited about that. I think it might be opening a new era. Congratulations, man. Yeah, dope. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. no, that's 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 very cool. Um as it as it relates to your writing, Harris, do you find and, and maybe not this first piece because you wrote for for something professional as opposed to something more personal. Um, one of my challenges is my audience shifts. You know, mm-hmm. where back in the day I, I wrote for myself or I just kind of wrote to get whatever out. Sometimes I'm thinking too much or at least I feel like I'm in my head too much about who might read it. Um, and that impacts my ability to write. Is is that any of your challenge or were, or do you have, did you have oh, a different? A- absolutely. Uh, when I first started writing, it was, it was hip hop, you know, it was rap. And then that transitioned into spoken word. And then when I went corporate, it turned into corporate writing. And I was, I was a young exec. So I remember one time I tried to put spoken word into a presentation. Oh boy. It couldn't have fell any flatter. <laughs> I was like, not a snap, not a nothing. No, just you, stick to the facts. Did you get called in the HR? Like, sir, um, these sir. things that you're talking about? <laughs> sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
but when you're a performer, your audience audience can shift, especially if you do competition like uh, slam poetry. You know, you got to know who the judges are and 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 try to play to your crowd. But um, doing that in a professional setting and knowing that you don't get to defend yourself once your writing is just on that paper and somebody's just going to be reading it and you don't get to give them the intro or the context or any of that it's uh it, it was petrifying for me uh cuz it's not like live performance so yeah the the um the audience definitely plays a role but i had to just free myself of that and say look it, it people want to hear my voice so i can't care about the audience anymore or i'll get stuck that's what's up, man. There, there are some demons that you slay and, and some demons that you do constant battle with. So congrats mm-hmm. with this round. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What so, about you, uh, man? Yeah, man. So a couple episodes ago, um, and this year, really, I've been referring to 2021 and particularly Ella's 10th year. She turned 10 in February as her leadership year. And... Mm-hmm. It had been going well until like a couple weeks ago. She says to me while we're on a walk, Daddy, I don't think I'm ready for this to be my leadership year. And I was like, yo, okay, um, tell me more. You know, what, what's, what's going on? And she said, you know, I don't know that I always know the right thing to do. And, and I don't want to mess up. And so I realized that while I think the concept of a leadership year is dope, I think it's important to set context. And, and I didn't do the best job with that. And so I told her, I was like, yo, um, one, thank you. Thank you for telling me this. I totally understand. And if if you don't want to call it your, your leadership year, we don't have to. But let me just tell you where it came from. And so I told her that, you know, this is the year where we practice the skills that you already have. You've already been picking up these skills. You've already been doing these things. I just want us to pull it all together. But also, being a leader is not being perfect. Being a leader is right. not knowing all the right things to do. I wouldn't trust a, a leader who never said that they made a mistake. And in fact, I was telling her that one of my tests of leadership is the, how you respond to mistakes. Uh, because mm-hmm. that really says a lot about us. But um, so yesterday, we got up and we went to volunteer at an annual event called the DC Amputee Cycle Clinic. And what it is, is these are people who um, are amputees who want to get into riding bikes, who maybe have not ridden a bike in 20 years, who haven't ridden a bike maybe ever, um, but who want to to kind of lean into that experience. And so volunteers, they take their bikes out, they take their, their trainers, which is a device that holds your, your bike in place while you ride your bike indoors. And you just support these people on their journey to getting comfortable on a bike. And so... Ella and I went, and uh, the event wasn't yesterday. It ended up being today. So I, I, I failed on sticking the landing on that one. But we got up again, and we went today. And it was amazing, man, just to kind of see Ella. And she asked, how are we going to help these people? I said, I don't know. You know, maybe we'll cheer. Maybe we will clap. Maybe we'll hold the bike steady for them, whatever we can do. And so... You know, she's she's on the small side, but so she gave people water after they finished riding a bike. And so it was just a really good experience to see her practice servant leadership. So we talked about what it means to be a servant leader and to lead from from places other than the front. And when we got home, and I, Harris, I know you'll appreciate this. She said, I, w- I think I want to give riding my bike another chance because... Oh, la- man. 
last year we we were trying to teach her how to ride her bike. Even when we first did the pod, I was I was going through battles of getting her to ride the bike. She, I won't say she quit on me, but um, she she stopped <laughs> before we before we executed. So today was Tell a me win. How you on, really feel right? Today was a win on a lot of fronts. <laughs> Um, she's more interested in her bike again, but also she she got a chance to practice servant leadership, and she is um, more confident in the idea of this being her her leadership year. So um, I'm oh, good, man. Beautiful, I'm man. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And I got a nap, so like as a father, that's a good thing. You can always when you, <laughs> whenever you can sneak a nap in. So I what's, came home. What's, from, what's that? I haven't had right. one of those. Yeah, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll come in a couple of years. <laughs> a nap? Yeah, what a is nap. That? But real talk, Brian, when, you, when your mom came, <laughs> you should have welcomed your mom in the house, put the baby in her hand, and be like, I'll be back in three hours. That's when you should have uh, found out what Then I saw my is. wife as I was walking into the house, and I was like, nope, let me go right back out to that park. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> pivot. <laughs> I saw I, it. I, I, right. I love you, babe. Um. But while we're here, I, I want to introduce y'all to a guy that I met, oh, man, must have been 15 years ago. Um, so I've, I've said it before, I'm from California, and on one of my trips home, one of my homeboys, shout out to Kwabana Yanka, uh, was, do, was doing grad school at UCLA. And I went out to, to, to hang out with him, and he was like, bring your sneakers. I was like, oh, come on, man. My basketball days were never good, but those are definitely over. But um, I went out um, to ball with him, and I, I met one of his guys, a, a guy named Raphael Travis. And um, it, it was just a great connection. One, because the dude was way better at basketball than me, and those kind of people make you look good. Um, but, but two, we, we just kind of got into conversation. Um, and really, and honestly, that was the only time I've ever been in person with this guy. And and we've stayed in connection. We played fantasy basketball together. We've followed each other and supported each other's um, and initiatives on uh, social media. But I'm really, really glad to introduce him to the show. Um, so, Dr. Raphael Travis, welcome. What's up? What's up, Dinan? Hey. Um, you know, it's interesting when you were saying that. I love when things come full circle like that, where you can, you know, you can mix the personal, the professional, and, you know, the social. Um, that's, that's really exciting, you know, that we can see each other beyond just, you know, the, the kind of kicking it level and see people grow professionally and, and all that. And um, your game was all right, man. You know, you know, don't sell yourself short, man. You know, you came, hey, you man. showed up, you know. You sure and your memory's good from 15 years ago? <laughs> hey, listen, the guy's a doctor. If he said it. Hey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, record. boy. Here you go. Send Here you record. go. It's official. Um, but, uh, and, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and since that time, you left California for Texas for a professional um, opportunity for, for you and your family. You, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we left um, California in 2006. I was actually going back and forth in early 2007 because I wasn't done done. Danica was done and she had got a, a position at UT. And so, you know, we had a new, new parents. Uh, Morgan was not even two at that time, not even three at that time. I mean, uh, when we moved out here and because her family's in Houston. 
And so, you know, we had been without any kind of support. It was just us out there as, as new parents. And so we welcomed the opportunity to to get closer to family. And and Danica also, she had her position at, at UT. But yeah, I was going back and forth to L.A. really all spring and into the summer. And I officially finished up in September of 07. Uh, but we came to Austin and it was a new start, like I said, you know, to get closer to family and, um, you know, really take that that next uh, chapter as, as parents as, you know, having finished school and can really concentrate on, on the whole family thing in a new kind of way. But yeah, we've been here since December 06. And uh, I can't say I'm new to Texas anymore. I'm a New Yorker <laughs> originally. And uh, last thing I, I ever thought was that I'd be living in Texas. But uh, but it's been good to me and, and the family and, you know, um, personally, professionally, it's, it's been great. That's up? dope, man. Yeah, well, cool. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we do each episode wrap is something that we call the question of the week. And um, none of us know what the question is. Harris has it on, on deck. So without any, any further fanfare, we're going to jump into it. What? All we right, know what the question fellas. is, man. It was, in the, it was in the show notes. I was, I'm disappointed I know the question, man. The question's in the well, show notes? Thanks. Go ahead, Harris. Deep. I'm ready. I'm ready. These old, old Oz. The, the I got eight answers. I got eight answers. <laughs> you got to switch it up now. Switch it up. Got, yeah. <laughs> Look, that, switch it up. Right, right, right. Jack, right. No stress. No stress. That's a dummy, that's a dummy question. Go exactly. ahead and do the realness, Harris. <laughs> the real question. Yeah. The real, real. Is, is what I wrote. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellas. Real talk, real talk. So, one thing that I loved about hip-hop is and, and really it's just about the culture so when we're talking about hip-hop culture we're talking about the music but we're talking about graffiti art we're talking about uh backpacking uh djing tagging all of that and you know a lot of that is counter-cultural so to some extent if you were a hip-hop head or was involved and hip-hop was a part of your life um either at some point you either got in trouble, got some hot water, or at a bare minimum was trying to freestyle in front of this chick and boom, you embarrassed yourself. Can you share a moment when you either found yourself in some hot water or got embarrassed uh, related to hip hop? All right, B, since you already knew the question, drop your All right, <laughs> sir. Listen, <laughs> I... I in in high school, I used to be called Two East Coast for the East Coast. So that's what the nickname they, they gave me. And so one summer school, I was just all into everything hip-hop, East Coast, Wu-Tang, Mob Deep. So I, I, I decided to wear some fatigues, shorts, and some Tims, and a Fat Farm sweatshirt. And a Helly Hansen rain jacket. Ooh. And I, I know I'm fresh. I know I'm dope. And I walk into school and got laughed out of school. They didn't get the vision. They were sitting there like, why are you wearing <laughs> workers' boots? I'm like, these ain't working boots, boy, bro. These things cost $110. They was like, you going to war? I was like, what you talking about? They was like, we can't see your legs because you got on Vietnam pants. And like, oh. they just, yeah, it was, it was rough. And I was so sitting there like... 
I was like, you know what? Y'all just can't see my vision. And uh, I didn't switch it up, though. I kept it. I kept it going. I went ahead and got the fatigue bucket hat. I got a field jacket. And that senior year, Jack, I was just walking up and down the hall with Helly Hanses. I tried to get a Coogee because, you know, Biggie was talking about Coogees. And then um, I saw that price tag, and I was like, let me go ahead and J.C. Penney's get that Fuji, Jack. Can't afford this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me get that Fuji. Um, you and committed, so you I, went I was, all in. I was, but yeah. what I what what I didn't know is is that with the Fuji, if it gets caught on one of those wooden uh, high school desks, little little splinter, walk around with a hole in your shirt. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> but that yeah, is that's a wrap. That, that that no no pun intended. That was a wrap. Real talk. Where what city were you in? Where were you? Man, listen, Milwaukee still ain't caught up yet. You know, so I, I was a I was okay. a visionary thinker. I was like, you was right there, man. You had the you had the uniform on. I you was ready, straight, man. Dude. I was ready. But you when know, he said the bucket hat, I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that was it. They was, but you know, it was it was all about uh, uh, arrested development, and you know, I was like, can't get down with that. But you you were you were boot camp click. I was a boot camp click, man, for real, man. Listen, Bucktown, Buck Buckshot Show. Yeah. Man, listen, you could shoot health the skill. I know the uniform, sir. Man, that's what's up, man. Nothing that's better. cool. Nothing better. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let me see. The Don thinking and rap, rap like he ready. The Don. Hey, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm like, trying I'm, to think of. I've had lots of good experiences. Probably the 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 worst was. So this is and this is going way back. So this is going way back to to b boy breakdancing days. Um, well, let's hear it. So we used to we used to do a couple of things. So you know we would get together and like you know battle each other and practice and all that. But we would also go certain places to to dance for money. So we'll go to like. The major okay. like grocery shopping area where we knew there was gonna be lots of people and we'd be out there, you know, the whole street performer vibe. Um, and that was a great way to make money. But we also would go to the mall. Now the mall added another element. Like you could do it for money, but there was also the chance that you was gonna meet up with some other crew. Mm-hmm. And so this one time we went out there, and of course there was some other other b boys dancers out there, and so we decided to battle, have a big old battle in the middle of the mall, and sure enough, you know, and it's it's interesting because like there really wasn't beef <laughs> enough to fight fight, but it it gets aggressive, you know what I mean, like. And I guess that's part of it. You know, you can get your tensions out. Like, you, like we battling. Like, we going at it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it gets loud. And half the people don't understand what's going on. And then all of a sudden, police come. Mm-hmm. And everybody just scatters. Um, now, I didn't get too crazy. Like, nobody got locked up. We're talking, you know, I don't know how old. Like, 10, 11 years old. You know, so it wasn't anything super crazy. But I remember that it got taken from just fun and entertainment, a little side cast to, you know, anytime you see the police, that just turns up the heat a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, it wasn't nothing too crazy. But I, I remember it went down and, and, and we were all kind of tripping on it after. That's what's up. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna let D Don uh, D Don gotta go last because um, I don't want to be last. So, <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> first off, 
you took half my thunder about the whole rhyming at the mall, man. Like, there's just something about that energy. And I hate to say it, like, now that I'm an older man with kids, you know, if I see that swirl of energy, I'm like, we're going the other way. Right. But growing up with it, why they won't let us live? We just trying to be out here, you know, trying to be artists, artists, you know, trying to do my thing. Ain't a mama in sight. You 10 years old. Go home. Anyway, that ain't even my story. But I had to say mine was, man, you, you, you messed me up. Mine was, I know I got a whooping for something. Hold on. Let me remember the whooping. What I get a whooping for? Oh, all right. So freestyle battling all the time. There was this crew that uh, me and my homeboys came across. And, you know, back then, that's when you had three-way calling, right? So we decided we're going to do a phone battle. Now, this is risky business for me. My mother and father are both ministers. And when you battling, you can say anything, right? So these cats is coming for me because they, you know, I'm, I have a little rep. And we're on the phone. We're about to battle. He drops. You said you have a rap. Some rap. Oh, okay. You rap. Said you had a Sorry. Rap. Dang. See, you messing me up. I just wanted to prove you wrong. I know you not... was right. A rap. Reputation. Okay. Sir. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Keep going. I want to hear this. A, a, re a reputation. <laughs> and so I'm on the phone. Dude drops his bars. I'm ready. And as soon as I start, I hear my father pick up. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was your rap name? What was your rap name? We, we talk about all that. Come Hello. on, man. Just let the people want to know, man. Get a so, list of what they want. Man, let me tell you. So MC you're I'm, I'm stuck. You're I'm crossroads. Stuck. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I know that the danger that is close to you is the danger you pay attention to. So... I'm so now I'm trying to rhyme without cussing and because I can't stop. <laughs> I went I to the stop. door. I said no more. So it was like either my rep or uh, my butt <laughs> I was gonna get messed up. So That's your rep too. That is definitely your rep too. I ended yeah. up just hanging up, man. And it was the first oh. time that I lost a battle over the phone. And I mean, only God knows how many cats was, you know, three-way. We were three-way crazy. So it's like six different three-ways going on. And yeah, man, it was Paris, like... Paris, I'm just, I'm just going to say you, man. Listen, you hung up because that battle was beneath you, man. What he came with wasn't even on your level. So why waste your time? Just hang up the phone. That's, that's all Oof. you had to... That list, that's was exactly what you did. MC, Sun, Ray. Our so, children will never know the fear of your parents picking up. Why are you trying to do anything, bruh? <laughs> bruh, I had anything. Marvin so Gaye playing in the background. So you know what, girl? Brian? I, huh? Uh, <laughs> huh? I, I hate, yeah, I hate yes. to go heavy on you, but, you know, when we created this podcast, we agreed that we would do the work and that we would be honest about the steps. Harris, mm -hmm. the people want to know your MC name, bruh. Oh, I mean, because man, we already know the, the Don's name was uh, MC Marshawn Marshawn. Hey. All right, all right. So I had two rhyme names. Oh my god. And gosh. I'm embarrassed by Good. I was embarrassed by the first one immediately. The second one, it took me longer to get embarrassed because my homeboy's mom put me in my place. So my first one was Capital T, because my last name is Tay, and it was Capital like money. You know what I mean? Capital T. Money, yeah. 
Okay. And, uh, right. they, you know, the cats was like, I mean, I get what it. What was the next one? Let's go to the, what's the other one? Yeah, let's get so, to yeah, the next one. Yeah, we don't need one. no backstories. <laughs> Just go. So my next one I thought was kind of dope. My next one was actually, it was Haji. And it was an acronym. Hope, Aspiration, Determination, Jehovah, Inspiration. Right? Haj. So that's so, when you was doing the spoken word, right? No, that was hip hop before even. So I, okay. you know, I just transitioned. I just made it smoother when I got when they kind of the spoken word. So the thing is, yeah, Haji. It also means Sultan, right? But it's also, you know, that is a huge respected name in the Muslim community. You know, a Haji, especially if you're Haji, that means you've you've also taken the pilgrimage to Mecca. Yeah, you, and all you've of been that. places. Man, listen, my homeboy's mom was like, so you're Haji. <laughs> ain't been to, you wore Mecca, you wore Mecca t-shirts and sweatshirts, you ain't been to Mecca. She said, so that's the name you chose for yourself, huh? Uh, yes, ma'am. And a big Muslim name, too. <laughs> Everybody know their friend mama that could make you feel an inch tall? Listen, listen, and my dad was a Christian pastor. Oh, so yeah, so, uh, I'm just Harris. Okay, all right. Hey, yo, uh, since, since we on it, my my b boy name was Treacherous T. So since okay. we you know, since we giving names, I had oh. the T thing too. You know? See, that's why since we on it, my uh, tag name was Sniper One. Yeah, because I was a 3.8 grade average student, president of this. No one knew that it was me. Tagging up stuff, hence sniper. Okay. All I right. respect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ain't had no hip hop name. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you had a DJ name though, didn't you? So my my boys back in the day used to call me Dr. Feelgood. Um mm. but then I learned a lot of different connotations associated with it. None of them apply. <laughs> like I, I literally was a cat who was always in a good mood, but but uh <laughs> So my story is, is is short, short and sweet. Um, they say you should never meet your mentor. You should never meet the people who you idolize. Yeah. I believe that's also true when you have a crush on somebody who is famous. I was in love with the brat, right? Like I, I, I thought she was dope uh, as a lyricist. I thought she was beautiful. Like everything about the brat, I, I loved it. So me and my boy, uh, this was. Uh, I, I can tell you around the times we went to Atlanta because his family had Hawks tickets and we went to see uh, Vince Carter, who was new in the NBA, play against the Hawks. So we talking maybe early 2000s. So, so death was popping and we went because for Hawks tickets. But what we learned is that his family had a box. And so... Mm. They were their box is right next to the so so death box, and so we're in the the, the kind of area for the people who uh, have boxes. And I see the brat, and I see Jermaine Dupree, the whole so so deaf uh, crew. And my boy is like, "Yo, how many times do you get an opportunity to actually holler at somebody who you're crazy about?" He's like, "You got to do it." And I was like, "Yeah, what do I say?" He's like, "Man, just say whatever you need to say." So I go up to him and I say, I go up to her and I say the first thing that comes to my mind. I was like, the brat. I was like, brat, yo, I'm your biggest fan. And she turns around and she's like, oh, thank you so much. And then I say, I want you to rap at my funeral. Now, here's the thing. She has a song with Biggie. 
And at the end of the song, she says, I'll be rapping at your funeral, baby. Apparently, she didn't remember that. Because she looks at me and says, what? Now, I don't know know what y'all know about the brat, but let me tell you, everything that she said after that was true to the character that that you Mm. see portrayed. And my boy is bigger than me. And so I'm trying to like remove myself because we're in this room. It's like a VIP room, but I'm trying Mm. to leave so that I can like just get out of the space. So the brat is like, yo, JD, this this silly MF right here said he want me to rap at his funeral. Jermaine Dupree probably high, like, damn, is he dying? Like, I don't know. He, and they just kept going. And my boy is like blocking the door and won't let me leave the room. So I will say this. I loved her more because it let me know that the that the the persona that I fell in love with was true to life. I just didn't want to point it directly at you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I love it. So, hey. You should ask her again, man. She might be like, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. She Look, and she good, too. She good, too. Oh, um, that's funny. Hip-hop's so, about authenticity. So, you know, she was true to the game. Very true. Hey, hey, the Don was, too. <laughs> Listen, yeah, had I died then, I had no doubt that she would have started uh, rapping. <laughs> what do you um, like? <laughs> So t- today's episode, if you haven't already figured it out, ha- has a has a hip hop bent. Um, we're talking about hip hop and the effect of us as fathers, hip hop and fathering, and fathering in hip hop. Um, and I couldn't be more excited to have this topic that Brian has been pushing for a while. His hip hop is close to his heart. Um, Harris has already talked about his hip hop background. They're both big music heads, and so. I love the idea of bringing in Rap Travis, who has been doing work um, in the social workspace, but also utilizing hip hop in a way that I won't say is novel, but is new to me and, and is, is really, really powerful. So I'm not going to hog the mic. I just want to jump into this conversation. But B, it was important to you that we brought that we bring this conversation to fathers and yep. to the podcast. So I want you to talk a little bit about your why. You know, it's so interesting because <clears throat> I had a moment in hip hop back in the 90s and late 80s that keep recurring. Like it just keep it kept happening. And it, it, it was always around moments with either my child or moments with my wife. And they were bookended because it put me back in that moment where either I saw it on Rap City or I heard it on a CD and it was Ed OG and the Bulldogs be a father to your child and at the age of listening to that I didn't know that was a Roy Ayers sample right like now the complexities of breaking Mm. down that song mean so much more but I just remember like what is that all about like be a father to your child because I was I was an impressionable you know preteen and so that was the first piece and then I remembered Biggie had a line that we may talk about it later, but in the Get Money remix, he said, problems with my wife, don't discuss them. And so it's just like, as I'm kind of maneuvering through this father thing and to this husband thing, I started to think about the influence that hip hop had on shaping how I viewed love, how I viewed the rearing and development of children. And my conflicts and contradictions with it as well. But 
the nuggets of growth and possibilities that I started to recognize in hip hop as it related to being a strong black man and strong black husbands was something that I wanted to dive deeper into. And as we talked about it, I started to ask myself, am I, am I tripping? Like, am I the only one that is really thinking about the complexities of how we were taught through hip hop, right? Like how we were taught to love. And then the conflicts of how we were taught to either view ourselves, view women, all of these things. So I pitched it to you guys and, and, and D said that I have this perfect, perfect dude that I think would be great for the pod. And so I just think that it is, it is important on the precipice as well as with us losing DMX to really think about how hip hop has driven us into becoming the people that we are today. So um, I want the other fathers out there to know that, um, you know, there, there are some good nuggets in hip hop. So Rob, one of the things that we do as a way to kind of get to know our, our guests a little better is we, we ask them all the same question. And that question is, what is your six-word memoir? There are four words that kind of guide what I, what I do and I feel like I stand for. And I think I would add two more words to it. So mine will be, Strong, black, intelligent, positive, and in service. Say it one more time. Strong, black, intelligent, positive, in service. I love it. Mm-hmm. How did you land there? My parents split up when I was five. Um, but I had the good fortune of of having my dad in the picture and being supportive. And I had some incredibly supportive uh, family members, grandparents, and things like that. Um, and I also had hip-hop, to, to kind of Brian's point. Um, I had Public Enemy. I had these other things around me that offered this counter narrative to, you know, what you may have heard in the headlines or seen on the news and, the, you know, stereotypes from teachers and those kinds of things. So I, I had these positive things echoed, echoing in my head all through. Um, but I had this T-shirt that, um, that I ran across. We used to always, my dad used to take me always into the city to like, you know, either the new music seminar, these like black expo events. And there was this one t-shirt that I got and it had a, a big question mark on the front. And then on the back, it said, never question who I am, strong, black, intelligent, positive. Hey. And it just was so powerful. It was such a powerful statement. And I had that t-shirt until it literally disintegrated. Um, but it, it left such an impression. Uh, mm -hmm. it was such a, an affirmation so much so that, you know, when I had my own kids, that was what we said in addition to our prayers at night, mm -hmm. um, but every night, because I want neither one of them to ever doubt themselves, whatever kind of drama and stuff that people try to say about black people. I don't want that ever to enter into 
their minds. Um, and, and it's crazy, too, because my son, like, he's always trying to, like, whatever it is, he wants to one-up it. He wants to do, like, more and take it his own way. And so for him, he's he started when he we were, you know, the earliest that he could start to, like, you know, challenge things. He's like, we need to add another word. And so it's it's my birthday. It's the perfect time to add another word. It's the new year. Let's let's add another word. So we're up to like, I uh, we we finally this year stop. Uh, you know, he he goes to bed by himself now. He's he's eleven. He he wants to. That's his thing. He wants to step into, you know, being more mature and stuff like that. So he he held, he he put the boundary up this year. Like that's enough, Dad. I got this. But. As far as uh, what we got up to, I'll see if I could, how many I can remember. So strong, black, intelligent, positive, unique, curious, helpful, brave, fearless, in control, funny, happy, excited, excellent, radical, leader, engineer, agroecologist. Oh, my goodness. What's the last one? Uh, respectful. Nice. That's what, mm. that's, what, that's what we got up to. Wow. Um, that's powerful. How old is your son? Uh, 11. Nice. He'll be 12 in June. Nice. That's dope. That's powerful, man. That's dope. Yeah, the power of words. That That's incredible, man. That. Well, listen, this has been a great episode. We can exactly. Right Wrap it up. <laughs> Hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. <laughs> what you guys got? Yeah, we Everything ain't got it. Everything else is Now, that's dope. Um, Rap, do us a favor for those um, who may not understand. Um, and and let, me, let me speak personally. So one of the things when I became a father... Um, I turned away from hip hop, you know, with the with the exception of like my playlist when I'm working out or like my shower songs, which are like the same songs from 10 and 15 years ago. Um, I did not believe that hip hop had a role in, in this next stage of my life. Um, I couldn't be more wrong, um, but I'd love to hear how hip hop is, is playing a role in, in your current life, how you're using hip hop. Um, and, and what it means to you. And you can start about what it originally meant to you or, 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 or what it means to you now, wherever you want to take it. Yeah, and, and I'll keep it per, on the personal. Then if we get to the professional, we'll get there, but I'll, I'll go personal. So for me, I grew up in New York. My birth year is the birth year of hip-hop, 1973. And so, you know, before hip-hop was hip-hop, it was just the air around us. It was just yeah. what you did. You know, we talked about B-Boy and breakdancing. It was just dancing like, hey, can you do this move? Let me do this move. Let's get a crew together. We all doing this this new dance thing. Um, and, you know, uh, I always loved... Well, first off, let me even back up even further. So my dad was a DJ. And when my parents split up, he whether it was intentional or not, all his records stayed in our house. So I had crates of records that were all there. Um, and so music is was just constant. And, you know, I also admired my, my dad, you know, he's a DJ. Like, he, you know, so just everything about DJing, 
that was always fascinating. You know, we had block parties. I see the DJ, DJ in the block party. Um, and I just, I loved music. And then when, when hip hop came out, this, this new, again, it wasn't hip hop. It was just like this new music that was incredibly, you know, dense wordplay. And we had to memorize all the, the words and who could say it, who could spit everything back. So it was just this fascination with this, this new thing. And, and parents didn't really like it. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was special to us as kids because it was our thing. Um, hip hop wasn't even on the radio. The only way you could hear it was on mix shows, which were a couple of hours on Friday and Saturday night. That was when it made it to the radio station. So Mr. Magic and Red Alert, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was a couple of hours on, you know, on on the regular radio station, but it was also on college radio stations. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't, it was past my bedtime, but I knew with the time that it was on. So I would set my alarm, wake up, press record, record whatever was on that show. And then the next day, boom, you know, you listen to it, what you got. Um, that's how I first heard of Public Enemy. Public Enemy was on the college radio station. They weren't a, they weren't a group. They weren't a college radio station. Um, so again, I, I always loved it. I wanted to hear the newest, the latest. Um, and so it was just a part of my DNA. I love graffiti. Graffiti is the greatest thing in the world. Um, I was always too afraid to spray paint on the wall because I'd get in trouble, but I drew <laughs> as much as I could. I looked at, you know, different styles and um, I, I always just loved graffiti. Um, and so, you know, as far as the content went, you know, being a part of it for so long, there was always a message to it mm-hmm. for me. From the very beginning, you know, whether whether you're talking about the message or, you know, uh, it's like that from Run DMC, like those songs spoke to me because I grew up in the low income community. You know, you saw you saw what poverty was. You felt what poverty was, you know. Um, And so I identified with that stuff on a different level. And, you know, um, you know, my, my father was very much social justice, very much um, proud uh, of of his blackness. Uh, my mother was as, as well. She didn't wear it on her sleeve as much as my dad did. But she's from that era too, you know, Black Panthers and, and all of that, Angela Davis and, you know, those. So, you know, all those messages, you know, Farrakhan tape, you know, I grew up in, in Farrakhan tapes. You know, I still got the, the, those tapes of, you know, of, of all of these narratives, these messages were fed to me. So, you know, so for me, hip hop was fun. And it was also this idea of, of, of having this constant conversation about who we are as people, you know? Um, so that, that undercurrent was always there from day one. So there wasn't even like, like I, I used to hate when people said like conscious hip hop versus other like hip hop is hip hop. It's all of it's that. It's all of it. You know what I mean? And so, you know, it's up to us to distill what messages we got, we get from it. But 
But in terms of an art, I mean, how much more dope can you get than hip hop? You got yeah. dancing, you got visual arts, you got incredible wordplay, you got music, you got manipulating of, of sound, and you got, you know, like like y'all were talking about using old music to make new music. Like it's the it's the most creative palette that you could possibly ask for. Um, and we created it. You know what I mean? Like that was the thing. Like our our parents weren't interested in it. It's a it was our generation. We created that. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, for for me, hip hop is like you know it really is a culture. Like it, it becomes it's kind of romanticized to some extent as like a culture, but it's not. It's it's a straight up culture. Like you know it 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 sustains itself. It's innovation. It's intergenerational, um, and so that was always a part of me. Now, I'm not going to say I'm not going to pretend like I didn't get caught up in the trappings of, you know, where hip hop intersected with my own development as a like as we as we develop as human beings. So like uh, late high school, early college life was late high school, early college life and all the things that go on with that. So, you know, when Dr. When the chronic hit, you know, <laughs> that opened up a whole world of, of, you know, things that, that I had to try to figure out as a, as a growing young man, you know what I mean? Like, how am I going to position myself in the world? Um, how am I going to, respond to you know these elements um and what kind of decision make decisions am i going to make in the context of hip-hop but i had an advantage you know i had an advantage growing up in hip-hop so that core was always there for me so i never lost that um you know uh, but but still had to you know i still had to to try to make good decisions uh you know, in in the in the chronic era, we all had to <laughs> doggy style chronic era. I mean, right. you know, cocktails mm-hmm. from too short, like right. yeah, yeah. But mm. but it, it sounds as though there, you know, the multi layers that your dad was and your mom was allowed for you to have this outlook. And this sense of self and this feeling of self, like in this pride. And, and, and I hear it when you speak. And I often struggle with the contradiction of also having that same foundation with looking at the trajectory of where hip hop is going now. Right. And also seeing that I was very impressionable with some of the things that I was hearing and one of the best parts of hip hop now, I don't think with any other genre of music, you can listen to it now, a song from the eighties and it's, it, it means something totally different, right? Because the wordplay now makes more sense or the way that the, um, the way that the ad libs hit makes, 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 makes sense. But what I want to ask is that this contradiction of how we listen to hip hop and how we view hip hop and what it says about um, women and what it says about how to treat women and 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 because we all have daughters, so we have to have these these ears on now. How has it had an impact on you as a father and as a husband? Yeah, I think you know 
it's had a tremendous impact um, in terms of forcing me to to confront those tensions. You know what I mean? Like uh, sitting across from my daughter, and I, I say as a parent, even um, more as a, more than as a a husband, um, I think you know you can you can only put it off so long until you look into the eyes of your daughter, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and really have to make sense of it in a different kind of way. Um, but, but I don't, I don't think it's, um, I think, I think we may be missing the converse, a little bit of the conversation in terms of, um, a, moving away from the idea that, that hip hop is only that on the mainstream where, that is most visible, you know. Um, yeah, I would suggest that you know we look back at certain eras as as kind of like think we romanticize certain eras yeah. uh, of, of of hip hop. When the reality is, you know, 2021 right now, there is exponentially more empowering hip hop out today than there was at any point in hip-hop's history. Like, not even a little bit more. There's exponentially more, um, whether it's... Um, in, put it this way. There's more empowering hip-hop in any state in the United States than there was at any point in, in hip-hop's history. Mm. Wow. The reality is it's just not on the radio. Yeah. Um, and that's what's great about hip-hop. Like, I can go... I can go do a talk in any city and you know if you spend a little bit of time there you know what you'll you can find out what the scene is and know who the artists are and there's great artists putting out incredibly empowering stuff. We have so many so many um people that are disenchanted by what they hear on the mainstream and on the radio and so they take it upon themselves to to, to be the counter narrative to that. Um, there's so many um, teaching artists that are committed to youth work. So I, I think I think we get, and, and this is why there's such a stigma against hip hop, is that we're just inclined to go to the radio and go to the top pop charts. Um, and that's what the, the music industry has done to the culture. Um, which has essentially sabotaged the culture because yeah. what people get is what's fed to them. Um, and that's a struggle. That's a real struggle. Um, and, you know, that's some, that's a conversation, you know, that I, I try to have, particularly my daughter, she's 17. Um, and, and just trying to be mindful of, of what you consume, just like you eat, right? You gotta be mindful of what you, you know, what you, you, you take in. Mm -hmm. You know, Brian, that's such an important question regarding the, the contradictions. Um, and I'm glad that you raise it. I spent a lot of time, um, frustrated. Um, and I'll, I'll use Nas as, as a focal point, um, as an example. Um, you know, in, in his song, If I Ruled the World, one of the things he says will be more conscious about the way we raise our daughters. But in, in another verse of the same song, he says, every girl I meet would go downtown. And um, he was just talking about go, it, to go shopping. He was just talking about to go shopping. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And Gucci bags. That, he says, 
I know it's going to sound foul, but, but yeah, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> Stink down. But, uh, but what I what I realize, um, and 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 rap when you just unpacked your answer, you you, you kind of untied that knot a little bit for me. That's the same challenge and the same frustration I have with men. You know, we've never not thought of our daughters as sacred and our daughters as, you know, the princess or the thing that that, that was special to be held separate than, than others. It's how do we treat other people's daughters? You, you know what I mean? Like everybody's, every woman is somebody's daughter. And that's not a hip hop thing. That's that's a cultural thing. That That's a men thing. And and um, I, I think it was most deaf. Um, that said it was at the beginning of one song we are saying where's hip-hop going he said, where's the people going you know hip-hop is where people are and so i i think mm -hmm. that that we sometimes hip-hop is an easy villain to to associate a lot of the same ills that we're working through individually uh, a lot of the, the challenges that that we're working through socially and culturally um and you know it's it's easy too because in a lot of ways it's flashy um you know in, in many ways, it's those characters that we're already villainizing in, in, in society. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, a, it's an easy, lazy target. But, but I, I will fully admit that, that it was one that, that I also painted on, on, on the culture as well. I, I, I love that you used the term flashy because I, when I tell my story, I often refer to hip-hop as my armor. Um, there was just something about, you know, this chubby... African kid uh, in Baltimore City that, you know, if I was in the new hood or um, just even in school, just, I mean, middle school was rough. Uh, but having something to be able to kind of stick your flag into the ground and say, um, but who who, who going to see me here? Uh, because I, I wasn't throwing hands. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't a fighter. I wasn't doing sports. Um, you know, my parents didn't believe in shape ups. So <laughs> you know, it was it, it was rough going. He said you need a lining from here to there and back again. <laughs> you know. I had the arch. You but, um, the golden arch. The golden arch. Said, but took your school pictures be, on both be, sides. <laughs> That's rough, yeah. man. You know, out of all the stuff I said, y'all. Oh man! So, so let me tell y'all what. All right, well, you, uh, let me tell you what I did. So I got locks, and it's so funny because I got locks. So people automatically assumed, oh, either this cat's Ross, or you know, oh, he on that New York, or da da da. da. I'm like, I just didn't want to get roasted. <laughs> like it wasn't nearly as deep, but it worked great for the hip hop scene back in the nineties. You know? Um But what I what I I mean, if you can imagine, you know, going to a new school and that being hard for somebody, but I would walk into that new school and be like, all right, you know, who's who flow? I'm going after them. You know, and within weeks, I I'm in. You know, I'm that dude. So it was my armor. Without hip hop, uh, I mean, I, who knows, maybe it was even a crutch, but without, without hip hop, I would have had to completely find a different way to adjust. Um, and I wonder in some ways, is hip hop attacked because 
it gives us the confidence uh, to to fully actualize. Because you know, uh, thank you, Rat, for putting us on that. Um, there was this podcast. No, it was on uh, Instagram Live where they were talking about hip hop and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and creation is part of the top ream of that pyramid being able to 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 to, to dream and and to come up with something new uh no matter what your space is so even if you weren't rich in that moment you felt secure enough to dream so uh, you know i i have to wonder rap anybody um did hip hop how did hip hop protect you if at all uh how was it your armor Great question. And uh, I'll say this. Hip-hop was my first therapist. And it was my first therapist because I knew that I wasn't alone. Because you started to just hear things about your hood in other songs. And just like, this is okay. You started to hear things about police. And it was just like, okay. But then you started to kind of, I started to kind of have an ear for the certain hip hop that I wanted to kind of continue to listen to. And I give you an example. I didn't even know Detroit had a hip hop scene back in the nineties. I didn't know that at all. And I got to college and all my guys from Detroit was talking about this, this dude named Jay Dilla. And I was just like, man, listen, I'm, I'm Wu-Tanged out and I ain't got time for no Jay Dilla, Jay Hula, Hula Hoop, whoever. And then they put me on the slum village and Get This Money and Players were two songs that kind of revolutionized how I thought about music and how I thought about samples. And then I saw this t-shirt that said, said, Jay Dilla saved my life. And he really did in college because it started to put me on a path of being mindful of what I was listening to, to have the right mindset to keep pushing forward. And... I think that as as armor, you have to be able to say, this is what I need to protect myself. So certain hip hop was used to protect myself from some of the ills of, of being on a college campus, trying to maneuver through corporate America, all of that. But I think, you know, another kind of shout out to DMX. DMX, when he dropped "Is Dark and Hell is Hot, his last track was a prayer. So we give praise a lot to Kanye for bringing the first song into the club with Jesus Walk. But I was listening to, to, you know, DMX drop prayer lines in a way in which it didn't sound like gospel. I'm like, you can cuss in your prayers? You can yell in your prayers? Because I was conditioned to think that it had to be, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. But How's that song end, Brian? Jesus. Huh? <laughs> oh, the Jay-Z, oh, the DMX? Listen, man, Not my mama downstairs, eh? Love you, mama. But all in all, it it was it was my therapy. It, it was it was my patience. It was my being. It was my believing in self. And so, um, I think you know what D said. It's it's an easy target, but when you know what it can do and what it has done, like nobody right now in Sweden is talking about Shania Twain. But we can go down there and say something from Little Brother and you best believe they either know who Little Brother is or who Fonte is or who it's hip hop has transcended the globe, man. And Harris, you shook your head. You think they might know who Shania Twain is? Do you know who I'm Shania Twain is? I'm saying in our comments, it's going to blow up. They're going to be like, 
You better chill. So, so here, here's, here's <laughs> a further evidence to your point, Brian. In, in the last week, you know, DMX passed, but also a member of the royal family, Prince Philip, I think his name was, passed. Who? Right, exactly. Stop. Like you, no, you for have, real? No, for you real? Have, you have this royal family, and, and I'm sure, like, if, shout out to anybody in London who listens to us who takes offense to what I'm saying. But this person who, if we took the standards that are given to us, one of those people would have much more value and much more impact and whose True. life would have been much more significant. But I couldn't pick Prince Philip out of a police lineup. You know, um, couldn't tell you anything he said or anything that he did. Um, but, and, and, and to look at the news, um, you know, the impact that DMX has. And, and you know, maybe I am a, a creature of the fact that I'm in Washington, D.C., but it, there's there's a lot more news following one. Not saying that either life was more significant than the other, but I'm glad that they're both um, being mourned. Uh, really, really it, might, it might be the Facebook algorithm, though. It, but but I'm not even talking about Facebook. I'm talking about <laughs> MSNBC. <laughs> but um, let, let me also share this really quickly um, to your point, Harris. So I grew up in, in L.A. and Pasadena, and I usually only claim Pasadena, but I realized that I lived in L.A. from zero to nine. And, and not until I had a nine-year-old did I realize how significant where your child lives those first nine years of life is a big deal. And, right. um, you know, listening to 15, 1580 K-Day and NWA I, was, was huge, even as I continued to grow up um, after moving. But that wasn't exactly who I was. You know, unfortunately, it, I had had my my police confrontation moments, but NWA didn't exactly uh, fit who I was. But then there were other rappers. There was the far side. There was Dale the Funky Homo Sapien, who I don't know if it's actually true, but everybody used to say that was Ice Cube's cousin. You know, these people who were weird, who were quirky, who were just as black, who were who were just as, as angst-filled, but about other things, um, and who had other topics to Rack's point that, that weren't on the radio or that didn't get as much airplay. Um, hip-hop gave me license to be whoever I was and to kind of figure out that and gave that voice and said that that voice is, is important. Um, so I, and, I, and I appreciate the art form and the culture for that. Yeah, such, such great testimonials to the culture, man. Um, you know, as, as far as, and I can echo, I echo a lot of what y'all are saying, as far as for me, you know, I think first and foremost was that constant dialogue, you mm. know? It was, it's, you know, uh, Public Enemy gave that, you know, this Black people CNN, but it, it just is a constant dialogue, like always referencing current events, always referencing things that I could look around my neighborhood and see, either I experienced directly or indirectly, you know, not hardcore like NWA like that, but you know what I mean? In terms of just the, the struggles of, of a lot of low-income communities and families and things that, you know, uh, communities of color were experiencing, um, but then also just those individual, like, who am I going to be? Who, how am I going to show up in these spaces to, to Didan's point around, you know, authenticity? Like, do I have to be this way or can I be that way? Do I have the freedom to 
act like this. There were so many different ways you could be. Um, but uh, but I, I think more than anything is that constant, that constant reflection. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest ones is that, is the, the story of resilience that is told mm-hmm. over and over and over again, no matter what condition you face, yeah. you can make it through, yeah. no matter what, no matter how mm-hmm. desperate it is, no matter how bleak it, it seems, like I have enough to get through this. And there's so a million stories of, of people that were able to similarly make it through these difficult things. Um, and, then, and then that's where the decision point comes in, right? How do you do it, yeah. you know? And, and I feel like that's important. Like, we have to wrestle with that as individuals. You know, what path are we going to take as we as we cope, as we navigate through this? And I feel like in hip-hop, I know it it, it, it gets, it gets kind of typecast as, as, like, really narrow and this, like, one story of how people get by. But, um, you know, not everyone deals drugs to get through poverty. You know, like that's, uh, you know, not everyone, you know, uses violence to escape confrontation, you know, and there's lots of narratives and and at least forcing you to have the conversation with yourself of like, what's the best choice for me and how I Mm -hmm. and how I work, work through these things. And um, and those are conversations that maybe you have with a parent or maybe you have with other people, but a lot of times the conversations are things that you just kind of had to figure out. Um, but, but, but hip hop offered like a place to, to kind of wrestle with these things. Um, and then there's the whole creative side. Yeah. Right. Um, so rep, I want to, I want to ask you a quick question. If you had to choose one CD to help your son understand the impact of hip hop from your perspective or the meaning of hip hop or the love for hip hop. And, and, and I mean a CD, not a song, not a producer. Yeah. What's what, a CD? What? <laughs> so it's this, uh, it's this thing that we use. <laughs> what, and, and I want to say CD specifically, right? Because the 80s was when, especially 98, right? You had DMX drop. I think you had the Quest drop something. You had... Uh, Wu-Tang drop something, but what CD would it be? The one CD, and I, you know, I don't have a lot of records, um, but I, I have a couple, and it's the one hip-hop record that I have that is just, it's just perfect. It's just a perfect CD album um, is... Is low end theory by Tribal Quest. Mm. It's just, it just, it hits. It hits. It's not like you know, it, you know, like if I really had to give one, like to prepare yourself as a black man in the world, <laughs> you know, then I'd give them, you know, Nation of Millions yeah. by by Public Enemy. But as far as like, just to kind of capture just the fullness of the culture for me, I'd have to say it's low end. Wow. From from Quest. Wow. That's good. So here's my question to the three of you, because admittedly I have not done well in, in this area. We we talked a lot about what hip hop has meant to us over time and, and, and our history with hip hop. How how, if at all, are you using hip hop now as men, as fathers, 
Um, you know, like I said, mine is my playlist uh, when I work out is about it. I haven't integrated it into my fatherhood journey, but I'm curious um, regarding your experiences. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first. I'll just say um, I'm in a period of my life similar to what B was saying about the therapy piece. Um, I feel like I'm rediscovering who Harris is uh, in a way that um, only, you know, about to be 40 can do. Um, they say our generation started having this new thing called quarter life crisis. Like as soon as we graduated from college, uh, we realized the real world wasn't anything that we thought it was going to be. We weren't making as much as we thought we were supposed to make. We, um, you know, weren't getting the jobs we thought we were supposed to get. Uh, and then also having to deal with life. Um, it, it put me on a path of who I thought I was supposed to be. And now I'm actually in a place of saying, okay, who you are is enough. And, um, you, you need to remember who you are. So that has actually caused me to go back into my music. And uh, so I'm now breaking out the old CD booklets and I'm listening to The Roots and I'm listening to Roz Kaz and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm listening to Boot Camp Click, Wu-Tang, and I'm actually hearing the lyrics at a whole other level. Like I thought I understood in middle school, but I hadn't experienced enough life to fully understand. I hadn't been enough places to fully understand. Uh, I haven't felt enough pain to fully understand. Um, so right now it's been a way of uh, rediscovering even why certain things that I just thought that's just how it was done. Um, you don't re again. We talked about it earlier. These these sub these uh, these verses that we hear become subtext in our mind, and they and they they guide you subconsciously. So, yeah, for me, it's just uh, it's right now. It's serving as a place of reevaluation, and um, there's some things that I even said I thought were classics that I'm like, ooh, I can't get behind. Um, like, ooh, whoa, that's what Andre said. 3,000. Um, but it feels good to know why it's wrong or was or was problematic. And uh, yeah, so that's it for me. How about you, fellas? So one of the things that I did before Nas was born, and we did it for Baby Girl 2, um, is I made a, a playlist for, for them with hip-hop instrumental. And would just put the speaker by Fiza's stomach when she was asleep. And there were things from Tribe, from Nas, uh, just a, a, a number of things. And, you know, some folks said classical music. I said, no, nah, hip hop. And, you know, I told the story before when we brought Nas home from the hospital. On the first night, he wouldn't sleep. And I just played Wu-Tang Cream over and over and over again. And he finally fell asleep. And Baby Girl falls asleep to Cream now, too. And so I frame hip-hop in this, in this household as the third voice. There's always some sort of hip-hop playing in the background. There's always some instrumental playing in the background. Uh, when I do the read aloud at night with Nas, I change my diction. So the rhyme pattern is there, but I may read it in a flow type pattern. 
just to just do something a little bit different. Um, but but the big thing is, is, you know, when I grew up, there was always Motown playing, right? It was always Motown playing. And I grew up loving R&B and gospel and, and these other genres. So not only am I doing that for Nas, I'm also I'm also infusing hip hop into everything because, you know, rap, you said this earlier, I don't want either of my children to grow up and see themselves as the problem because society says that they're, that they're the problem. I don't want my, my kids to grow up believing that they have to be well-versed in classical music when you can be well-versed in hip hop and break down a sample and chop that sample and talk about the tool that was used to chop the sample and the producer that made that, like, that's a, that's a, that's a level of complexity that I don't think that hip hop from the majority culture understands and recognizes. Like to be able to take a song, take two seconds of that song and turn that into a whole track. Like that's masterful. That's like Picasso-esque, right? And so I want my son and my daughter to be able to know that you can take a piece of something and turn it into something that no one would ever understand and you will have a whole genre of people loving it. So hip-hop is a culture, and that's exactly what we're doing. Um, I breathe hip-hop. I talk hip-hop. Like, you know, sometimes dad would go to work. When we go back, I would be in ties and a pocket square and a tie bar, and then other times I would go with a hoodie and a hat to the back, and I might be sagging a little bit. But it's just like, again, the complexities of hip-hop doesn't have to keep you confined into a box. Man, love so much of that. It's it's so great to to see and hear, um, you know. And that's a big part of my day to day on you know, on the professional side is is trying to help give a language and structure to to everything that that y'all have been saying about how important the culture is for you know not just any individual but but whole communities you know around the around the globe. You know, the, the, the way that, you know, a lot of black and brown communities and others were empowered in the beginning in New York and, and the way it spread, you know, we've got communities in Australia and Hawaii and South Africa mm-hmm. and everywhere that are empowered the same ways. You know, their localized individual struggles uh, are buoyed by, by hip hop, you know, and, um, so on the professional side, that's that's a big part of what I try to do is just help enlighten people to that fact and and think about the ways that we can use it, you know, um, you know, with young, well, really across the across the age span. But uh, it's been a, the lion's share of the work thinking about how we can invest in our young people through the culture. But on the on the personal side. You know, nowadays, um, similar to Brian, grew up with music all around, and so uh, I'm the same way. Um, you know, my wife calls me Radio Raheem. I got the <laughs> I got the little Bose speaker that goes yep. with me everywhere, 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 everywhere. Even places so, it's not supposed to go. I'm like, you never know, you exactly. might need some music. It's waterproof, <laughs> exactly. <you know? laughs> um, but but it's a part of that, right? Like yeah. you know, it 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 it's so it just you know you live and breathe, live and breathe it, and 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 it's con- and I'm, I'm so glad you talked about the sample, right? What's so dope about hip hop is you know here we are fifty years into the culture. 
I can rock, and I'm sure y'all are the same way. I can rock to a set of samples yep. just as hard as 100%. the songs that they came from. 100%. Like, think about that. Think about how, comp- like, I love the word you said. Think about how complex the culture is that you can rock to a, the derivative mm-hmm. of the original art yep. just as hard. Yep. And, you know, DJs nowadays, they remix everything so, I mean, they'll take, you know, whatever remix we thought was the remix, like they'll mm-hmm. repurpose it mm-hmm. in so many different dope and creative ways. Like that's all from the culture. That's yeah. all from the culture. Yeah. Um, think about anything that's that complex, right? Um, so, I, yeah, I love that piece. But the, one of the things that that I've been really tapping back into is, you know, I've always made mixtapes, you know, from way back in the days with the, you know, you stuff the, the little tissue or whatever or tape it in there. You know what I mean? That was so the first from, Napster. Exactly. Um, so I've always been into, you know, making mixtapes and I still do now, but, you know, with the digital technology, like you can do so much more um, into beat making, creating beats, and just a lot on the creative side. And you know, I'll, I'll just use one example of of you know, I think it was Brian was talking about hip hop. Was my therapist? You know, like we all know how crazy 2020 was, mm-hmm. and and a lot of artists talk about a lot of creatives talk about you know how it was a very unique time for them to be able to express themselves, kind of get certain things off off their mind and. I think I shared the the Black Lives Matter three mixtape. Yeah, you know, I've been making mixtapes forever, but but that one in particular was so important because of everything going on with George Floyd and just all the social justice and the marching and um, COVID and you know um, just thinking about you know kind of the the story of the podcast, right? Like you know, as a father, like how am I? How am I positioning myself to be the most effective for my kids that are coping with a pandemic, who are coping with, you know, this man straight up being murdered on television? Um, and, uh, you know, we know how all the inequities we know, we know as, as a public health professional at the onset of, of COVID, we know how it's going to unfold. We know what communities are going to be hit the hardest. We know what communities are going to have, whenever there is a vaccine, are going to have the hardest time getting the vaccine, right? So knowing that ahead of time, before any of it happens, like how do you position, how, you know, how do I position myself as a, a father? So, you know, creating that particular mix was so incredibly therapeutic like in general making Mm -hmm. mixtapes is therapeutic for me like it's just my way like i don't rhyme i don't but i i can sequence and think about a message and how songs go together and what parts you know like i can do that um and so you know hip-hop was incredibly i did a i did a panel i had a panel that was talking about mental health like helping how do we help our students with mental health in the time of COVID and all these things? And we had gotten the questions ahead of time and they were, you know, it was like, that was the main question. So I had kind of the answer, you know, my, my two second answer was, you know, we saw mental health trends already in moving in the wrong direction pre COVID. 
COVID just exacerbated everything. Um, it's even worse for college students that are trying to figure out their way in life, financial stresses, all this, right? So I had all that. But then the presenter, he started off, he was like, and we have on the panel, Dr. Raphael Travis, author of The Healing Power of Hip Hop. Tell us how hip hop helps in a time like this. I was like, hold up. <laughs> that wasn't the question. <laughs> but, but what clicked at that time, and it's kind of back to the, the original, was like, man, hip hop was a gift. Uh-huh. Like hip hop was a gift during like how fortunate am I and and for those that love the culture that we have this dynamic creative culture available to us uh, at this time where we can share what's on our mind we can you know and so all that to loop back around of of you know hip hop is a vehicle to you know to explore issues that are going on for me in my head. It's a vehicle to kind of unpack some of the society drama stuff that's going on. Um, and there's very few other ways that you can can do it. You know, like name some other ways. Like how else can we do it? Maybe we can journal a little bit, um, meditate, you know, like like what other what other forms are there to really unpack the complexity of of being a person of color in the United States, you know. So uh, allow me to have my coming to America moment when old boy who uh, played Cleo McDowell said he's got his own money. Like when when we say that rap has written a book on hip hop, the cat has actually authored a textbook called The Healing Power of Hip Hop. And it's... You notice he said textbook. Yeah, a textbook. <laughs> like, like, look. I can go online and drop an ebook. Shout out to anybody who's self publishing. I think that that is awesome. But this cat <laughs> has an, an actual textbook that is, is celebrating it, its fifth its fifth anniversary. And I really wanted to give you your propers and, and, and tell you thank you um, for contributing um, to the culture and and to making it an area of study. I really do think that. Mm-hmm. committing to learning and understanding the tools that, that we're using, that we have used, and, and that we're trying to figure out uses for um, is, is very valuable and, and, and deserves to be uh, big up in a real way. I appreciate it, man. And, and I'm glad you said to like, un, you know, because I'm learning, like, you know, and I don't want to give off the impression like that I've got it all figured out. Um, but I love what you said for to give us a lane where we can really try to understand this thing that is available to us and, and learn more about how we can use it. Cause that's really what it's about. Like, how can we maximize this culture? You know? Absolutely. So, so rap as, as we close out, if there is someone who, and I, I can't imagine that there won't be, um, who wants to hear more from you, who wants to connect with you, who wants to see what you're doing, we'll definitely put links to, um, the black lives matter, um, playlist that you that you sent us um and we'll put links to a lot of the things that we mentioned but but where can someone get a a a more a more fuller sense of who you are and what you're doing there are two places um the easiest way is just kind of hit me on my handle for social media which is at rap t jr r-a-p-t-j-r that's the most direct and easy and then that way i can kind of you know, talk with you directly or forward you to other things. Um, but also uh, my organization called Flow Story, which attempts to be kind of a, a middle middleman, middle person between research and practice. 
and you know really help to have some of these conversations but not quite in the same academic sense um, but there I can point you to a lot of the research and things that are out there um, you can also reach me by email which is raptjr at gmail.com um, if you're really interested in the, the, the professional the research side um, my research center the create research lab at Texas State has a website as well um, and I can forward the links to that, but that's, uh, you know, create at Texas State. Um, so there are a lot of places, but probably the best is at Rap T Jr. on social media. And, and we can go from there. And, and, and last thing before we leave, what is the Hoodwink 100? Ah, so that's my DJ. I didn't get to say my DJ name. So my DJ <laughs> name is, is DJ Hoodwink. Um, that Many of you familiar with the Malcolm X uh, line? You've been hoodwinked, hoodwinked bamboozled, led astray. Run amok. Run amok. Uh, right. And so, you know, that's my thing is through through my mixes, you know, my goal is to help you kind of sort through all the, 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 the drama and the misinformation and to help you think critically about, you know, your place in the world. So that's that's the meaning behind DJ Hoodwink. Um, and so, you know, there's lots of different projects that come out um, through that. But the Hoodwink 100 were, my, from my opinion, uh, the, the most important 100 tracks of 2020. So hip-hop tracks of 2020. And again, it goes back to that point, right, where we were talking about, like, what is what's out there. Um, you know, here's 100 tracks that, you know, that are, may be in the mainstream, may not, but just to kind of give an idea of how much content there that is out there, that's dope. Because um, that's the other thing with like so-called conscious tracks. You know, sometimes you can have tracks with a message, but the beat is whack. I'm, I'm, I hate that. That's my worst. Like you wasted these good bars on a whack beat. Um, but the Hoodwink 100 is uh, the 100 best songs of 2020, at least and best in the kinds of, you know, and think of, you know, um, content as much as, you know, just be alone. Bet. So check them out. Check them out. Let me know what you think. I no. guarantee you'll be nodding your head to, to a bunch of them. Can't wait. And, and I'll get you thinking too. Can't wait. We'll definitely add a link to the show notes. Brian, what's giving you inspiration these days? Uh, now I started soccer uh, uh, on Saturday. So that's exciting. He is in uh, age three soccer and uh, <laughs> got him some cleats and some shin guards. His jersey is way too big. And uh, he saw the field and uh, got straight scared. So uh, oh. walked him to the field and and was able to actually do it with him. And uh, he just wanted me to hold his hand. And so I'm running up and down the field, uh, kicking the ball with him in his small moments because uh, I'll never be able to, to, to get that back. And so that meant so much to me just having it. So I was tired as heck. Um, and I know my son doesn't know his colors that well because the corners had different colors and the coach was like, kick it to the green corner. And my son was just like, what's green? I was just like, bruh. <laughs> Bruh. Don't do but this. I, don't do this. Not don't now. Don't do this to don't, me. You are the only black and brown kid out here. I can't have mm-mm. you. You. Mm-mm. But he had a blast. He came home and took a nap. And and um, the other thing that's giving me inspiration too is the way that he told me that he was scared. 
He said he was nervous. I said, buddy, what are you nervous about? He says, I don't know. And that was enough because he had ex- ex- expressed it. And he knew that he was safe enough to express it. But also in that moment didn't come the athletic dad, the over dad. It was, hey, it's all good, son. Come with me. I got you. Um, and so that has given me inspiration. The, the other thing is we're talking about getting the Peloton, man. Mm. I'm about to get sucked up in that's this. That's an investment. Man, that's why I said we're talking about it. <laughs> we can talk about a lot of stuff. We can talk about going that's to the what, moon. Don't mean we go in there. That's uh, where the, the term talk is cheap comes yeah, from. Yeah, <laughs> but listen, we can window talk. <laughs> we can window talk like a mud jack. But I'm not a window shop. Listen, it is an investment. But um, I realized also running up and down that field, too, that I have to go ahead and get this health back on track um, because it takes us back to the episode that we did um, with the big man walks. Right. And so I loved running up and down that field playing soccer with my son and I want to be there to be able to play tennis and play basketball and whatever else. So um, real talk to our listeners out there in the DMV. If you guys know of any kids sports leagues with black kids, please hit us up. This soccer league that we playing in, I was searching for some kids of color. Uh, but hit us up if there are some, because I really want my son to be in the presence of kids that that look like him. So, but yeah, those are all things giving me inspiration. What about you? Rap? What's giving? Oh, 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 oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. It's, yeah. it's funny. Like, I could, <laughs> I could have riffed on any, like, if you had, a, had an off-ramp to any points from soccer to Peloton to anyone, I, we, we could have had a whole side conversation <laughs> on and fitness too. Any of them. I'm like I'm right with you on all of those. Yeah. But just real quick on um, soccer. Um, so I'm I'm nine years, eight years after that experience. Um, soccer is a great journey. Um, I'm three years old. Son scared to go on the yeah. field. Um, he's he's doing his thing out there on the nice. soccer field now. Nice. So it's it's a nice journey. Um, as far as inspiration. You know, I think even this podcast is 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 part of it. What I was going to say is this, the larger, um, you know, for 2020, I've, I felt like I was in kind of hunker down mode, like just kind of like, you know, a bear in hibernation, just kind of kind of closed off, waiting until everything, you know, um, kind of figured itself out in 2021. Even with things not fully kind of resolved, I was like, no, let's kind of get back going and, and you know, refocus on the things that are, are priorities and um, and kind of re-engage with the world. And I've, I'm inspired with, you know, there's a lot of people doing really amazing things in the world. You know, what y'all are doing here is is powerful kind of beyond description. Uh, just in that piece, Brian, you talking about that. A lot of people, there's no audience for those discussions. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And um, and so I'm, I'm just inspired. I've had the chance to connect with, you know, just to see the amazing things that people are doing and are committed to and it not being, you know, People realizing that they're figuring things out just like everybody else, and um, and that's 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 inspiring. So I appreciate the platform, you know, to have these discussions, and that's inspiring to me. No, thank you. So, Edon, what about you, man? So, um, it's triathlon season. It's a spring. 
Um, all the major races were canceled last year. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to getting back out there. You know, um, having COVID in, in January, um, thankfully, I was only like down for the count for uh, a few days, a quarantine for the, the full two weeks. But it took my energy level a good month to, to get back out there. You know, um, and even some days I still don't know if I fully got it. But, you know, I don't know if that's because I'm 44 um, or or, you know, a host of other things. But so I'm excited to get out and, and to be healthy. Um, I have a big race um, coming up in, in October. Um, it's it's a 70.3, which is uh, that's the amount of mileage. It'll be a one and a half, one point two mile swim, 55 mile bike ride and then a half marathon at the end. Um, so I'm just training for that. But next weekend, um, my lady signed me up for a duathlon. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. The pools aren't open yet. You can run, bike, and then run again. So I don't know Oof. how that's going to work. But um, I, I am looking forward to it. And uh, I'm sure there will be lots of jokes at my expense. And I hope to be able to share them with you. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to triathlon season and, and to being healthy. Um, yeah. What's up, man? Oh, man, that that... I know it's on me, but ooh, that that's just wrong, bruh. You said you yeah, never like, like going after the Don. I mean, you know, I actually You gotta run it. twice. Bruh, <laughs> like run, bike, run again. That second run is where it hurts. Ooh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I would swim again, I would ride again, but I don't want to run again. Uh, anyway. Uh what's bringing me inspiration is uh this humble brag. I got my first like major contract uh, doing diversity and inclusion uh, with my consulting company. And um, it was one of those moments where, uh, you know, through your life, if you've ever downplayed your uh, talent, skills and abilities, uh, you had these one moments that just kind of. It, it it pushes you forward 10 steps where it, where you realize you've been kind of selling yourself short. And um, the 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 people I did my pitch to, they just really um, were excited to to have me back and to do my work with their organization. And uh, it just it feels really good. Uh, like I said, you know, this is a season of kind of rediscovering me, and it, it's amazing how I think we got. Sometimes you find yourself in the valley and um, it's on famine, but then in the blink of an eye, it could turn into feast. And uh, it's just kind of one of those moments for me in life. So I'm just I'm just grateful to God. And I hope this is the beginning of um, of, of something beautiful, something I can call my own and something I can give to my children. Congratulations, bro. Yep, that is huge, thank you, man. Congrats. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. To get one of those wins under the notch. Pay it forward. You know, pay it yeah, forward. That's pay the plan. Well, fellas, I want to thank all of you for bringing it today. I want us to, you know, to just really thank rap uh, for bringing truth to power, for bringing a level of authenticity and for allowing for us as black men and as fathers to know that one of the pillars of our foundation, though um, no an easy target, was foundational in our development and that we aren't crazy. Uh, we weren't wrong. Um, though we have contradictions and struggles with it, uh, within those those black and white lyric lines are, are often pieces of truth, reconciliation. And so 
I thank you and uh, Dad Jean's crew thanks you as well. And this is not at all possible without our fans. We want to thank all of our listeners as well. As all of you know, this is the Dad Jean's podcast, and we thank you for joining this this particular uh, episode about hip-hop and fathering. But as it may be, we love hearing from our listeners. So if you agree or disagree to what we said, if you have some additional pieces that you want to add, please feel free to email us at info at dadjeanspodcast.com. Tell us what you think. Drop us a line. Um, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at dadjeanspodcast. And please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend again. Please share. Please subscribe to the pod. And as always, how many how many stars, Harris? Five stars. We want them. We need them. We appreciate y'all for giving them. And if you don't give it to us, go ahead and let us know why. So we can go ahead and always be on the verge of continuing to improve, self-improve. And so, as always, stay safe. Stay sane, stay good, stay real, stay blessed. And until next time, folks, Dad Jeans, peace. 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 Peace.